Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. 2-0 for the first time in the Dino Babers era has never felt so good. Syracuse football off to a fantastic start. Over 100 points combined in the first two wins of the season over Western Michigan and Wagner. But finally, a team not starting with W here this week and a team that is going to be a very tough matchup. It's the ACC opener today versus Florida State. Everybody, welcome into Fizz Radio alongside Drew Carter. I'm J.D. Rachi And, Drew, it's been a great start to the season. Syracuse's offense has looked absolutely magnificent. Eric Dungy looks like a man possessed. But now you're kind of running into Florida State. But before we get to Florida State, we'll get to the Seminoles coming up in a little bit here. What's the biggest thing that has impressed you about this just offensive onslaught thus far through the first two weeks of the season? I think so far, I mean, it's got to be Eric Dungy. It starts right at the top, and I think that's not going to be surprising for fans to hear. This guy, we knew he was going to be prolific coming in. He's a very talented guy, obviously, playing in Dino Baber's offense. But I think what really impressed me last week is the way that he rebounded from a tough passing week in Kalamazoo in that week one win. Only one wide receiver caught a pass. You come back the next week against Wagner, I think seven or eight different guys caught a pass. You had Taj Harris catching his first touchdown in college. You had Nikeem Johnson catching his first touchdown in college. These guys are going to give some different elements to the Syracuse offense. And you got to go beyond that number one option because you're playing a team like Florida State who's got a couple of really good defensive backs, and they're going to be able to take away that number one guy. So I think with Dungy, sure it's been against a couple of teams who aren't necessarily ACC caliber opponents. Wagner's an FCS school. You should have crushed them. Western Michigan's a MAC school who's pretty respectable playing them on the road. That's a solid win. But still, I think Dungy so far has been basically as advertised, and he's lived up to expectations which were as high as you could imagine coming into the year. And something you kind of touched on, Drew, that I really agree with is the fact that he was able to rebound from that bad passing game. And kind of, there's now we're looking for the balance from Eric Dungy because week one, we got the legs mm-hmm. 200 yards, QB rushing record for the program. Then the next week, he got the passing five touchdowns, ties a, ties a record. With Zach Mahoney, of all people, right, who officer. I was just absolutely shocked by, and uh, Terrell Hunt as well, mm-hmm. with five touchdowns in a game for Syracuse. So we've seen that he can do both. We knew he could do both coming into the season. Now I'm kind of looking for him to put it together. Put right. it together with in both facets. You know, last year against Florida State, played on a broken foot. Mm-hmm. The, pretty much the entire game, broke it, played five or six in the first quarter, yep. played the pretty much the rest of the game. Zach Mahoney came in a little bit and, mm-hmm. and kind of – helped him get along and move him along. But he put together an incredibly impressive performance in that right. game, and that was it was great. very balanced. That was great. Yeah. Almost 300 yards passing, another over 100 on the ground. It was just a really balanced game. And if you can get that out of Eric Dungy this week, that's something I'm really going to be impressed by. Right. I mean, I think the thing is it's easy to say that Dungy should be crushing these easier foes, but against teams like Florida State, against Miami, we saw him grit another performance out on the road in Florida against Miami last year. This guy has performed against top-flight competition. It's been a matter of can his teammates kind of elevate their games to match his. And also, the question with Dungy, of course, is the health. I mean, we say that coming into every season. We say we know he's going to put up big stats. He's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC, at least on paper. I know we're going to get into that on Fizz Feedback later on in the show because 
two pretty highly touted quarterbacks in to this say game. the least. Right, to one say of, the least. One of whom missed almost all of last year. DeAndre Francois from Florida State, but was much more highly touted coming out of high school. So that's an interesting debate. Number one dual threat quarterback in the country exactly. in 2015. He's, he's very highly touted. As a freshman at FSU, he was phenomenal, but we'll get into him a little bit later. Right now, we'll, we'll stay talking about Dungy because, I mean, he deserves it. He deserves all the pub. He's really the straw that stirs the drink for this team. You know I love that phrase. You do love that phrase. And, and I think it, it's, it's pretty interesting to compare how these teams have played over the past couple of years. Syracuse has not beaten Florida State since the 60s. They've only beaten the Seminoles one time. We know exactly why that's the case. Florida State has four- and five-star guys up and down the roster. Syracuse fans are excited when they get a three-star commit, and that's <laughs> that's our job is to cover that it. That is our job. Right? So, what, two four-star recruits this year? Yeah, exactly. And Ed Hendricks and Kadir White, right. who I saw on campus today there you go. and was absolutely floored at the size it's of different. White. It's, it's different to see it on paper and see it in person. And it was funny because I was walking through the quad and Pascal Chukwu comes walking by of all right. people, 7'2". He's pretty big. And then I was actually more impressed with the size of Kadir White at 6'7", mm-hmm. 300 plus. Yeah. Absolute beast who I'm very excited to see right. next season. The guy's a tank. He's but unbelievable. Is, JD, if you were to go down to Tallahassee and walk around their campus, you'd see a Simple. bunch of those guys. No, that's that's the that's the stereotypical right. Florida State football. Florida player. State, I actually just saw this stat. How crazy is this? Now I know Jimbo Fisher isn't there anymore, but just get a load of this number. In all eight of his seasons as head coach at FSU, they had the number one recruiting class in the ACC. They were top 11 in the country every single year. They were top six in the country, seven of eight years. Those guys are still there. A lot of them are still on this team. Oh, boy. So we know that they struggled last year. They kind of floundered after Francois went down. And you can talk about whether or not that was all because of the quarterback because the defense sort of crumbled. It really just felt like the team as a whole sort of lost its identity. The after air that was just one. sucked right, out exactly. of them. They were totally, it was done. totally deflated, kind of like the 2016 AFC Championship game. But oh, God. That's not something we're going to get into right JD, now. JD, we know that Florida State is immensely talented. I think it's fair to say that Syracuse has performed better this year with a 2-0 record. And yeah, Florida probably. State gets crushed by Virginia Tech in Week 1. They barely sneak by Samford in Week 2. That's something I want to talk about when we get right. a little bit more into Florida State and kind of pump the brakes on how bad that game was. Okay. It was bad, but I'm I've got I've got that. yeah. They're... Because people in Tallahassee acted as if they had not only lost that game, but that the program was going to collapse. Like I was I was doing a little bit of research uh earlier today and it, it something along the lines that said that is the worst win in Florida State history. I think that's fair to say. I mean, Samford just compare what they did. Syracuse played an FCS school and took care of business. They smacked them. Florida State was losing for the first 56 minutes of that game. That's true. They it, should have lost. True. They it's, should have lost. But They didn't have a great performance. Right. But let's, ba- let's put it the way it is. J.D., I want to bring this whole conversation full circle. What I was saying about Dungey is we know he can perform against these high, highly touted athletes, these blue blood programs. Can he stay healthy, though? That's the question. When you've got guys who are 4-440 coming at you at 250 pounds, can you stay healthy? Because we know that his injuries have been to the head area. You mentioned the foot last year. If you're getting crushed by these guys, it's tough to stay healthy. And honestly, I'm kind of worried for his health out there because he's going up against monsters again in FSU. And and think about the teams that he's gotten hurt against over the last two seasons. Two years ago, it's Clemson. Right. He gets knocked out by Dorian O'Daniel. Basically gets decapitated in pretty much. Order. Yeah. Last year it was Florida State, two right. of the blue bloods of college football. Mm-hmm. 
probably the top two programs prestige-wise in the ACC right now. Right. You could say maybe Miami because maybe of the BT, U. Maybe BT, they're up there. Maybe Virginia Tech yeah. because of the Frank Beamer era. However, those two teams are the ones that have really hurt him. So, like I said, I want to see him kind of come full circle. I want right. to see the offense as well come full circle. I have not been impressed with what I've seen from Dante Strickland or Mo Neal. Yeah. You're never going to be impressed right. because that's just not how this Syracuse offense operates. But I've just been – I was like, eh, like they're just eh to me at this point. I need right. to see a little bit of something or other from this Syracuse offense against a good Florida State defense. It's going to be one of the better defenses they play all season long. So I'd like to see them come out. You know, you're in the dome. You're in a controlled environment. It's going to be probably pretty packed just because it's probably it the premier be. home game be. of the season. Yeah. You've got Florida State coming to town. So, Which, by the way, optimism about a potential win, right? Which is – Again, this is kind of similar to last year. You go into the Florida State game, you circle it on the calendar as, okay, we're probably going to take a loss in this game last year. They come in 2-5, and you play them close in Tallahassee, and you're a field goal away from sending it to overtime. Mm -hmm. Kind of the same thing here, and I need to see that Syracuse offense. It's been very, very good. I need to see it take a step up and become a little bit more balanced, but I want to get into the defense a little bit here Mm -hmm. because one guy that we have been talking about and harping on, and so is all the Syracuse media, Andre Cisco, kid is an absolute ball hawk. The Cisco kid, they they do call him that. They do, yeah. Three interceptions in his first two collegiate games. The first one against Western Michigan, right place, right time. But I think there's something to be said for right place, right right time. Mm-hmm. He's in the right position. He's where he needs to be to make a play. Then you got two in back to back drives against Wagner to start the game. He's been really great. The front seven has been outstanding. We knew they were going to be good with Chris Slayton, Kendall Coleman. Uh, Alton Robinson, Kylan Whitner, and guys like that up in the front seven. But the rest of the secondary has got me a little bit concerned. I mean, there's there's reason for concern. If you look at what happened against Western Michigan, Dwayne Eskridge goes for 240 yards. It's one of the highest marks against Syracuse in a long time. That guy's a burner. He runs 4-3, but still. I mean, some of those throws uh, made by Wasink, I think was the guy's Wasink, name for Western yeah. Michigan. And Eskridge is getting behind the defense. It's 60-yard, drops in the bucket, and, and he's right behind everyone. Like, there was one play, that 84-yard touchdown, where he split two defensive backs in the Syracuse secondary. I think it was – It was barbecue I, I want to say it was Scoop, Bradshaw, and Evan Foster. I know it was Scoop. I'm not sure about the, who the safety was. Yeah. But there have been times where this – it looks they look like Swiss cheese. They got torched. They got torched in that game, and against Wagner, it was a different story. I mean, Wagner right. is a team that they're not going to throw out, the ball. Right. right, they came out their first string quarterback, a guy who our Viz compatriot Tim Leonard actually knows pretty well from Cary, North Carolina, Green Hope High School. Luke Massey goes down, goes down in air quotes because he actually wasn't even their best quarterback or something. Wagner people uh, were saying that it yeah, was like a one A one B one C type of deal. It was a grad transfer situation. Right. This guy T.J. Linton played at like seven different schools. So right. the other of guy, who, I mean Wagner. Use three different quarterbacks, so you're not afraid about them throwing the ball against you. Now you've got a guy in DeAndre Francois who, in 2016, was probably the best freshman quarterback in the entire country. He's amazing. He led the he led the country among freshmen in terms of yards per game, passing with over 250 per game, raw passing yards as a freshman. Beat number six Miami in the Orange Bowl. They were 10 and three. There's a reason why they were ranked number three in the country coming into last year. A lot of it is because of Francois who. I mean, I think a lot of people saw as the second coming of Jameis Winston, right? I mean, it's an easy comparison A little bit smaller, but yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. ACC and Rookie of the Year, that 100%. his freshman season. He right. got a, even got a season, usually when you're coming in that highly touted, mm-hmm. 
as the number one dual threat quarterback in the country, you're not going to get a year off. You are going to be playing right away. Mm -hmm. But because Florida State had Jameis Winston, Francois got that year off, got to learn the Jimbo Fisher offense, got to get into the swing of things, had a great freshman redshirt freshman season, coming in as a redshirt sophomore last year, possible Heisman year for him, Watch all kinds of expectations, yep. goes down with the injury. A little bit less fanfare around him this year, and we'll get into some of the problems that he's run into um, in just a couple of minutes. But, you know, there's a lot to like about this Florida State team. I'm not as concerned about them in terms of how good they are um, as maybe their fan base is after that Samford, after that Samford uh, win and that really right. just ugly ugliness down in Tallahassee. But there are still some things that they need to work on that should be interesting to see in the Carrier Dome, you know, it's really going to be their, not even their biggest game of the year because they've already got slaughtered by Virginia Tech in week right. one. It, they, were the, they were the only game on, and everybody's eyes were brutal. on that game, and they just got absolutely tossed by <laughs> a really good team in, in Virginia Tech, a team that you got to be thankful if your Syracuse is not on your regular season schedule. Talk about a dent to the brand for Florida State. I mean, it was the same thing that happened to Miami, right, in that week one, week one loss to LSU when they were on national TV and everyone was watching them. Same type of deal with Florida State. By the way, not a great look for the ACC. Yeah, that, that's, that that's, one thing one. That, that's one thing that uh, Jonathan Oppie, Tim Leonard, and I were kind of talking about when we were watching that Miami game, and yeah. Miami's just getting killed by the Tigers. Uh, it was not a great look for the ACC, but now Syracuse is kind of putting themselves into that consideration as being a middle-tier team. Right. Boston College had a good win over Wake Forest tonight. I'm really high on them as well. So it should be a really great game coming up uh, in just a couple of hours at this point uh, for Syracuse against Florida State in the Carrier Dome. Place is going to be packed. Florida State, a very talented team. And we'll get to them on the other side of the break. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, J.D. Rachi alongside Drew Carter. We've got you up until the 10 o'clock hour here, just a couple of hours until Syracuse opens up ACC play against Florida State, a team that is always loaded with talent, always loaded with great football players, has a coaching change this season, which is something we'll get into in a couple of minutes going over from Jimbo Fisher to Willie Taggart. But, Drew, something we really mentioned before the break was DeAndre Francois came in as one of the most highly, highly touted recruits in the country, number one dual-threat quarterback in the class of 2015, ACC Rookie of the Year as a freshman, had his season shortened immensely last year with the injury, but he still got all the talent in the world, and a lot, a lot of tools in his at his disposal. Yeah, a lot of skill position players that FSU boasts on that arsenal, and we can get to them in just a moment. I know you really like the running back, Cam Akers. You actually, I like him a lot. You said something I think that might be blasphemous, actually, about he might be better than a former FSU running back. Uh, well, I think you're a little biased in liking this FSU no. running back because of your NFL affiliation. Here's the thing. Dalvin Cook plays for the Vikings, so of course I like him. But I was also in the Carrier Dome when he ran for almost 300 yards and four touchdowns against Syracuse a couple years ago. It so might be Akers, a little bit premature. So if Cam Akers is better than him, then you might as well just forfeit. It might. It, listen, it might be a little bit premature, but I think he has the capacity right. to be better than I, Dalvin Cook. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. We can debate that in a second. But I think we're in agreement that Francois is a pretty special guy. I mean, he is you, very. 
very good. If you come into the ACC as a freshman, and like we said before the break, he led the country among freshman quarterbacks and passing yards in his first season with FSU. He learned under Jameis Winston, which is a pretty good mentor to have. I mean, maybe not necessarily off the field with some of the stuff we've seen from Jameis, but you know, eating W's and crab legs and right. all that, and some some other unsavory things right. that Jameis has passed. But, but on the field, on the field, Jameis Winston and Jimbo Fisher, two pretty good guys to learn from. Not bad. And DeAndre Francois clearly proved that he was ready to go in that freshman season. Last year, it sort of felt like when his knee kind of crumbled, the entire team kind of crumbled. I know they were going to lose that week one game against Alabama, no matter what, because it was already 24-7 with six minutes left by the time he got hurt. But everyone lost to Alabama last year, so I don't think that's really fair to knock them for that. <laughs> Once Francois went down, the entire team kind of went down with him. And I still think that this guy is one of the most talented quarterbacks in the entire ACC. You don't come out as a freshman and do what he did unless you are. And I think the interesting thing you said there, J.D., number one dual-threat quarterback in his class in 2015. Some people had him listed as pro-style. When you're listed as both pro-style and dual-threat, you're one heck of a dual-threat. <laughs> you're, you're not bad. He's top 10 pro style on some places. He's number one dual threat in other places. This guy is highly touted. He played at IMG Academy, actually under former Florida State Heisman winner Chris Wenke. There's a little nugget for you. Probably came, also at one point a teammate of Andre Sisco. There you go. Yeah, so maybe a lot of connections here. can pick up another uh, interception or two. But uh, Francois was highly touted, and he showed exactly why. And I think um, even though he's had his fair share of struggles in his first couple of games this year, that's what you kind of expect. He had a knee injury that a lot of people think is more serious than an ACL. He tore his patellar tendon in his left knee, which is an injury that's kind of ended careers if you look at the NFL. I know Victor Cruz had that same injury with the Giants. You never really heard from him after he did that. So for Francois to come back, maybe he is a little bit slower. Maybe he doesn't have as much power on some of his throws. But now he's older. He's had another year to sit out. So you kind of take the good with the bad, and I think we both agree that he's one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. He definitely is, and I think – one thing that you mentioned there was he's got a little bit less mobility, so he's mm -hmm. not really as dual threat as he used to be. But I think that almost works to his advantage because his best asset, beyond the legs, even more than the legs, dude has got an absolute rocket on yeah. his right arm. I mean, he can huck the ball. He's not Pat Mahomes. He's not throwing it 80 yards in, in the air right. and ending up on the other side of the field. But he's still got an absolutely fantastic arm. But sometimes that gets him into a little bit of trouble. He is incredibly accurate on the underneath routes, on the dump-off passes, on the little mid-range right before the intermediate range. But then when you get to the intermediate range, you get to the vertical routes, you get to the sideline routes, that's where you start to run into some problems for Francois. He's got three touchdowns this year, which isn't bad, isn't great through two games. But then you look at the other side of that coin, and he's also got three interceptions right. so far this season. So the decision-making maybe not quite the, quite there you haven't been playing against a full-fledged, full-force defense in almost a year now, yeah. uh, going back to that Alabama game. So there are some concerns with him, but like you said, one of the best quarterbacks in the ACC talent-wise. He has got incredibly high, uh, an incredibly high ceiling, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Is he going to put it together? Who knows? Right. We're really not sure where he's going to project out in the NFL or anything like that, but for a college quarterback... Under a great coach in Willie Taggart with a lot of pieces around him, DeAndre Francois is in a great place to succeed moving forward. The decision-making has to be better, and he has to put a little bit more accuracy on the long ball for him to really be an elite-level quarterback in the country, but I think he is certainly elite in the ACC. He really struggled against Virginia Tech, to be fair to him. I think I it's easy to say that he hasn't really been tested because they played Samford last week, but... 
You can't forget that they played VT in that opener. And I mean, we're talking really glowingly about him. And I think some Syracuse fans might be sitting on the other side saying, this guy threw three picks and no scores against the Hokies, albeit one of the best defenses one in the, of the country. Yeah, one but, of the standout defenses right. in the and country. I don't think anyone's going to say that Syracuse is as good or better than Virginia Tech. But still, if Syracuse, they did, they'd be a little bit crazy. Syracuse probably closer to VT than Samford. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Right. I'd so, say so. So Francois looked good against Samford, and I mean, good is honestly a bit generous. His numbers ended up looking okay at the end of the game, but they were losing for, like we said, the majority of that football game. They probably should have lost, except for a couple of fantastic plays at the end. So Francois, in his first real competition against a Power 5 school, he was pretty bad. So is that the rust? Is that maybe he's lost a step because of the debilitating injury? We don't really know, and I'm really excited to see what happens against Syracuse in the Dome. But, J.D., you also mentioned Willie Taggart there, and I know that both of us are pretty interested in this guy because I think people are sort of split on him. Last year at Oregon, he only spent one year with the Ducks. I know people at Oregon, they don't like him because they went 7-6, and six, but newsflash, they went 4-8 and eight the year before, so he was he was an improvement. Duty. Right, that's exactly. That's so. not bad, and you, what, win a bowl game or lose a bowl game? At least you go to a bowl yeah. game in that case. Right, so Willie Taggart has kind of had these reclamation pro- projects. His first, head coaching pro- his first head coaching job was at Western Kentucky, which is his alma mater, where he was one of the best quarterbacks in program history. He made them from terrible. They lost their last 20 games before he got there. It's actually pretty respectable. They had a 12-2 and stretch, I know, when he was there. The Hilltoppers. Then you go to South Florida where he invents this Gulf Coast offense. Have you heard about this? I have not heard about it, but I know he was really good when yeah. he was at South Florida. He's at he, USF for four years, and they were dominant. And they were dominant, and they kicked Syracuse's butt two years ago. Yeah. Hard. Right. In the Carrier Dome. Like, they, bad. They kicked that butt hard. Like, Syracuse had, like, I think, like, a two-touchdown lead to start the game. Yes. And then Quentin Flowers and Willie Taggart said, oh, enough of that. We're going to score some points here. Right. So I think Willie Taggart has not not necessarily has this Syracuse team figured out because it's really hard to completely figure right. out this yeah. Syracuse offense. Unless he's only played but, them one time. Right. To be fair. But he's seen them. He's had success against them. He knows, you know, what it takes to win a game in the Carrier Dome against Syracuse, albeit against a younger Eric Dungy, maybe a couple. Well, I can't even say a couple less weapons because you had Ambed Atawo on that team. Right. But you know, you got you got you maybe don't have that star power anymore, but you have a couple of you have more depth, which I think think is the big strength of this wide right. receiving core this season for Syracuse. Yeah. So. It should be interesting to see what Willie Taggart does, but one guy you mentioned that I am super high on, the possible successor to Dalvin Cook, and maybe even go beyond Dalvin Cook, Cam Akers, the number one running back in the country coming out of high school two years ago, went for over 1,100 yards of total offense as a freshman last year, mm-hmm. one of the most electrifying players in the country, and he's a guy that is going to get you chunk yardage. He had an 85-yard run against Virginia Tech in week one. He's a guy that is going to catch passes for you out of the backfield and spread you out. He is a really, really special player, and I am very, very excited to see what he does. And really, I think it's going to be a good test for Syracuse because he is one of those Swiss Army knives, uh, Swiss Army knife kind kinds of guys. And if you can, you know, keep him down a little bit don't let him hurt you too bad, then that's a seriously positive sign for the Syracuse defense. Right, and Syracuse really struggled against, I mean, last year they struggled against the run and the pass, so it's, it's kind of tough to pinpoint which was the bigger issue, but we saw them get gashed several times, especially down the stretch of the season by dual-threat quarterbacks and Francois. We don't really know how much he can run at this point, but you look at a guy like I mean, Lamar Jackson crushed everyone, but he especially crushed Syracuse. John Wolford did not crush everyone. Wake Forest quarterback from last year put up more than 100 yards and three touchdowns. 
when you've got a dual threat system like Willie Taggart runs, that's the Gulf Coast offense, you've got a quarterback who can run, we think, in DeAndre Francois at least a little bit. At least he's a threat. You have to respect him. And then you've got that running back in Cam Akers who you just gloat about, and for good reason. I mean, I don't think he's Dalvin Cook yet. Not but, yet. I'm not saying he is yet. Right, but he certainly has a chance to be yeah. that. And you said the 85-yard touchdown um, in week one, basically the only bright spot for them. Like they Think about the lineage of Syracuse, or Syracuse, Florida State running backs in the last three years. You've got Devontae Freeman, who is now with the Atlanta Falcons. Last six or seven years, you mean? Let's yeah. just go back. How about Warwick Dunn? I mean, that's... Let's go back all the way to Warwick Dunn. I Ever mean, since yeah. they've had, they've just been a machine. They're really, really good at the running back position, and Cam Akers is the next in line for that running back title and for that go-to back in this Florida State offense. And real quick here before we wrap things up here on Florida State, we'll get into a little bit basketball, a little bit of basketball on the other side of the break. But one guy I want to bring up, defensive side of the ball, Brian Burns, six five, two thirty five, defensive end, one of the best defensive ends in the country. And Eric Dungy is really, really impressed with him. I mean, you look at their size and their stature across the, the board, and, you know, they got 6'4 linebackers, 6'2", 6'4 safeties. They're big across the board. They're very athletic, you know, four five-star recruits. They got one of the best defensive ends in, I think, college football. You know, he's going to be three and out. He's going to be a top-ten draft pick, so he's going to cause a lot of um, havoc on the edge. So uh, pretty high praise for a guy that, you know, only had four and a half sacks last year, but then you look back to what he did his freshman season, nine and a half sacks, most sacks by any defensive end in the country. I mentioned it, 6'5", 235, humongous guy, kind of that new age, can either put his hand on the ground or stand up kind of pass rusher, kind of slender. And he, I've also I watched a little bit of his tape over the last couple of days. He can also drop back into coverage, which is super impressive for me whenever a defensive end can do that. And he's got he's incredibly quick, he's agile, he gets to the quarterback, he's a stopper in the run game, and he's got arms longer than I've ever seen on a football player before. It's absolutely incredible, the wingspan on this guy. He's and got Pascal Chukwu arms. He does have Pascal Chukwu arms. Maybe not on that thicker. level. Yeah, I'd say a lot a bit thicker yeah. uh, looking at his tape. But he had three forced fumbles last season. That led the Knowles, a team that is kind of precedented on their defense and really is is known for their stellar defense year in and year out. Rating Brian, turnovers, secure the bag, turnover backpack. It's a joke turnover backpack is awful it's pretty bad <laughs> hopefully Syracuse doesn't turn the ball over a lot in this game right. number one because that's bad for them and number two because I just don't want to see that stupid backpack. It's, it's pretty dumb it's hopefully awful. hopefully at the Hancock airport they uh they check that bag and they just take it away oh it just somehow got lost yeah, I'm not, not sh- you'll not probably have it back it. after the game we'll right. figure it out after the right. game but we won't we won't have it for you for the game all right JD I've got a couple things number one I want to agree with what you're saying about Brian Burns I mean just take it from the guy himself Eric Dungey he's uh, B- Burns is obviously immensely talented stud alert how about this he actually thinks that he can break the all-time FSU sack record Peter Bulware a guy who's pretty darn good back yeah, in the mid 90s he has that all-time record for the Seminoles Brian Burns needs 19 and a half sacks to do it this year probably not going to get there but the confidence and the moxie to say he's going to do that that's pretty impressive number one number two though I want to play devil's advocate for a second I think a lot of Syracuse fans might be screaming about this listening to us talk and just rave about Florida State's talent Last week against Samford, more than 500 total yards the defense allowed for Florida State. Ooh. 475 passing yards. Yikes. So they've got all this talent, but we saw it last year. They collapsed. Can't put it together. They collapsed. They had Derwin James last right, year. Right, and their defense was still hot garbage. And their offense, I mean, couldn't, their offense couldn't produce against highly touted teams. So I think that's becoming the narrative surrounding Florida right. State is that there's talent everywhere on the field. They just can't necessarily put it all together. So – 
It's going to be really interesting because the line is Florida State minus three or three and a half. I think this game could be a blowout win for FSU. They, they could come in and win by 30 points. I think Syracuse could win by a couple of touchdowns. It could obviously be close. I, of course, I'm not saying anything groundbreaking here. I'm not going out on a limb. You're literally saying every possible outcome right. in this game. But, but, yeah. but both these teams over the past couple of years have shown that they're a little bit erratic. They're a little bit hot and cold. For one, Dungy, we don't know if he can stay healthy for a full game against a team like this. Um, he did it against Clemson last year, so I guess that's the counterpoint, but he's also missed the last three games of all of the first three seasons he's played. FSU on the other side, one of the most talented teams in the country, but they've looked pretty bad over the past two seasons for the most part, but they've still shown flashes. So we really don't know going into this game. That's the bottom line. We don't know. A couple of erratic teams coming up in the Carrier Dome in just a couple of hours. Syracuse versus Florida State in the ACC opener. And one team that has been erratic and heart palpitation galore over the last two years. Syracuse basketball schedule released earlier this week. Drew and I will break it down when we come back here on Fizz Radio. Things rolling right along here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. We've talked a little bit of Syracuse football, that game coming up against Florida State in just a couple of hours now. But, Drew, now let's get into Syracuse basketball. Full 2018-2019 schedule released this week. We had seen all of the non-conference opponents. We hadn't really known what order they were going to be in, mm-hmm. kind of where everything was going to be placed. But now we've got the full thing, the full non-conference schedule, the full ACC schedule, and there are a lot, a lot of games that are really interesting and really exciting for this Syracuse basketball team. You look at your ACC opener is going to be at Notre Dame in South Bend on January 5th. A couple of other games to look out for in that ACC schedule. You've got a home guaranteed to be night game with Duke on February 23rd. That's going to be a Saturday. Dome is going to be loaded. We might actually see real Bayheimberg with the Syracuse student section. I mean, this is an exciting schedule to look at. Cars might flip that night, February 23rd, before the game. Before the game. People are going to be rowdy that night. Wow, that's in, a in bold Syracuse. prediction if I've ever that's, heard one. See if you can bet on that. Hit up your bookie and say, can I bet on cars flipping pre-tip-off against Duke February 23rd? This place is going to be It's all legal ridiculous. now. It's all legal. It is. You are correct. It's Wait, what? Flipping cars is legal? Well, betting on flipping cars Betting is. on flipping cars. There you go. Yeah, so half half the equation is legal. But how fun is this, man? I mean, it's it, it all seems real now, right? You can actually mark your calendars. You can say, here's where Syracuse is going to be playing marquee opponents at home. Here are going to be the fun road trips if you want to maybe pack up the kids in the car and say, let's hit the road and go down the East Coast because you're at Duke. You've got a home and home against the Blue Devils, which I think is probably the most marquee, I guess, element of this entire ACC schedule. Well, we it's already your quote-unquote rival. Right. right. Quote-unquote exactly. is a large quote-unquote. We're not going to have this debate right now. I'm tired <laughs> of having this debate. But the bottom We'll have line, it in February. You play them. Yeah, right. We play them twice in about a month span. Uh, and you've got one in Durham, and you've got one at home. Then you've got at North Carolina, which is quite a bit of fun. How about this, J.D.? You go home, Duke, February 23rd. A few days later, at UNC. You get the full Tobacco, tobacco Road, road baby. I love it. Once at home, then once on the road. That's coming off the heels of a game against Louisville. Uh, I mean, it's it's all just really fun. And one thing that stands out to me now that – because we already knew the opponents, right? But now that we know how they're going to stack up, how about at Virginia Tech, at Boston College, at Pittsburgh, January 26th to February 2nd, longest road trip on the schedule. That might be a little bit of a litmus test as you're going from January to February when the season kind of gets a little bit real. You start to differentiate the contenders from the pretenders. Virginia Tech, BC, and Pittsburgh, three teams that Syracuse, I mean, I know we're still in September, 
But three teams on paper, Syracuse should have a pretty good chance of beating. If you can go 3-0 and on that road trip, you're going to set yourself up nicely for a rocket into March. Yeah, Virginia Tech's going to be a tough game. I think they're actually going to be a really good team in the ACC this season. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a guy I'm super high on going into his sophomore season. Boston College will still have Kai Bowman, of course, Jerome Robinson, now in the NBA first-round draft pick. And then Pittsburgh is an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, they, at Gross. one point, had, I think, eight guys announced they were transferring within a three-day period. Then Exodus. Jeff Capel got hired, and they said, okay, we'll slow down. Yeah. They mostly just wanted to get away from Kevin Stallings. Can't we'll slow down. Him. We might not actually transfer. But, yeah, I think that's going to be a huge part of this schedule. Pittsburgh's kind of viewed as a, a bit of a rivalry game as well, right. although it's been, honestly, up until last year when Pittsburgh just was anemic and terrible. They were garbage. Back and forth, kind of a Pittsburgh uh, advantage in yeah. the last few seasons. Jamie Dixon. So that should be a really fun game. Uh, the big game for me in the non-conference, or the big games, I should say, you got Buffalo on December 18th. That's a team that took you to your limits in the Carrier oh, yeah. Dome. Oh yeah. Um, I know you were in that in uh, in the dome for that game. You were very impressed with what the Bulls did. Uh, Saint Bonaventure, a team that beat you in the Carrier Dome last year. Although, albeit they're not going to have Jalen Adams or Matt Mobley right. this upcoming season, so they're a little bit different. And then the other uh, the other two non-conference games: ACC Big Ten Challenge against Ohio State. In Columbus, that's fun. Should always be fun out uh, out in Ohio. And then your big rivalry, Georgetown, December eighth, home game. Last time you played them at home, you got your butts kicked. You got your butts kicked pretty darn hard by Georgetown two years ago. So yeah. that's going to be another game that you really have to look forward to and look to as circle on your calendar. This is going to be a big test of just how good this Syracuse team is because there are a lot of experts out there. And there are a lot of guys like you and I who are very familiar with this Syracuse team that say this team is going to be very, very good this year. I think it's fair to say, and I know we're kind of in the bubble here in Syracuse, but I do think it's fair to say that this team should be ranked top 20 in the country coming into the season. You look at the roster, you've got Tyus Battle coming back, Frank Howard, who knows what he can bring in his last year in Syracuse. You've got Jalen Carey coming in, a top 50 recruit. And you've got a lot of continuity, which isn't something that Syracuse has necessarily seen over the past couple of seasons. Uh, plus, you got Jim Beheim, who's a pretty good basketball coach. Yeah, so. he's all right. But, I mean, going back to the schedule, I really like that Buffalo-St. Bonaventure, again, kind of as a package deal. You play them in the span of two weeks. Last year, it was a span of half a week. You got Buffalo on the 19th, Bonnie's on the 22nd. Buffalo kind of a knockout, dragout type of game. That team grinds, man. That that Nick was the Perkins big, that was, was the, the big <laughs> man on campus that, that night. Dude, that was the biggest takeaway for me is that Buffalo hustles their butts off. And that, that was a really fun team to watch. And I think Syracuse may be a little bit gassed, maybe one reason why they lost to St. Bonaventure a few days later. And a Buffalo team that then went on to beat DeAndre Ayton in Arizona in the first round go. of the NCAA tournament. Right. So that's a dangerous team. And it, it, that's, it strikes me as a team that's more system than players. Um, I think no matter who they really throw in there, it's kind of like the 2-3 zone. No matter who they really throw in there, they'll probably find success. Nate Oates, their coach, is a guy I have a lot of respect for. So Buffalo should be strong, but it's kind of nice to get that week and a half off before you play St. Bonaventure, who, like you said, shouldn't be as good this year as they were last year. So maybe as you head into the conference slate, it's a little bit softer on the non-conference schedule. Syracuse basketball still a couple of months away, but a game that's only about an hour or two away at this point. Syracuse and Florida State will break down the final things between that of that matchup between the Orange and the Seminoles coming up after this break. We'll also have Fizz feedback. That's all right here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. All right, folks, wrapping things up here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. J.D. Rachi alongside Drew Carter. Now it's time for 
everybody's favorite part of the show, Fizz Feedback, getting your thoughts on this Florida State game, on this Syracuse team in general. That Florida State game coming up in just an hour, just about an hour or two now. 12 o'clock start in the Carrier Dome, first ACC game of the season. And the first question we put out there is something that Drew and I touched on. We talked about how this game is a little bit closer than a lot of people would have thought when you first saw it on your calendar. Right now, Florida State is a three-point favorite, three, three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. And we said, should Florida State be favored in this game, yes or no? And right now, a little bit surprising to me that it's not as close as it once was in this poll. We were kind of mm-hmm. checking it out earlier in the show. Yeah. But right now, 63% yes, 37% no. So Fizz Nation does think that Florida State should be favored in this game, and I tend to agree. Yeah, I agree as well, J.D., and I'm kind of happy to see that Syracuse fans are maybe tempering their expectations a Which little bit. Which is something we almost never see. I, I know, right? I think that's fair to say. Um we see a Florida State team coming in that's had their fair share of struggles the last two years. They're coming off a barely win over Sanford and FCS school. Syracuse 2-0 for the first time under Dino Babers. Easy for fans to get excited, but I think it's good that they see these two names and they maybe give Florida State the respect that they deserve. And I think that's what Vegas is doing as well. Being in the thick of Syracuse right now, I would kind of expect the results to be flipped. I think more people would say in Syracuse, if you talk with them, that the Orange should be favored over the Seminoles. But I think once you remove yourself from the Syracuse bubble a little bit, you'll realize that Florida State still commands a lot of respect from Vegas just because of the name, just because of the talent. So I think that's the fair line. And I think that the point that it is three that it is three points right now, I think some money might actually come in on Syracuse just sure. to win this game or even cover and make it like, you know, maybe a two-point game. Or if it is three and a half, make it a, a field goal game. So I think the they could close around two and a half rather than three and a half. But mm-hmm. we have we'll have to wait and see about that. And then another question we asked about this game between Syracuse and Florida State, two guys we've talked about a lot during this episode of Fizz Radio, Eric Dungy, DeAndre Francois, two of the premier premier quarterbacks in the ACC. One, the most highly touted quarterback in his class. The other, a kid from Oregon. Two-star recruit. Two-star recruit from Oregon. Both of them garnering absolutely fantastic numbers and a ton of recognition this season. So I think it's a fair question to be asking at this point. We asked, who's the better starting quarterback in this game? Eric Dungy or DeAndre Francois? And this is where we saw Fizz Nation start kind of uh, revealing their true Flexing colors. Flexing their muscle a little bit. Eric Dungy, 91% of Fizz Nation thinks that Eric Dungy is a better quarterback than DeAndre Francois. I'm going to have to disagree. I think Eric Dungy is really, really good. And I love him for the Syracuse football team. I love the way he plays. I love the way, his demeanor on the field. But DeAndre Francois, for me, the kid's just a talent. He's <laughs> just a talent. It's it's a fair it's a fair way to put it, JD. You said it. He was the top ranked guy among dual threat quarterbacks in his class in 2015. Dungy not quite as highly touted. It's tough to say whether Dino Baber's offense inflates Eric Dungy's numbers to a certain extent. We know that you're going to put up video game stats on Dino Baber's offense. You take a look at what he's done in his previous. I mean, two Zach stops. Mahoney threw five touchdowns. Right, right. Eastern Illinois, Jimmy G was pretty good, but we've learned that his true talent level was pretty high all along. Right. Bowling Green, a guy Matt Johnson throws for 5,000 yards. His true talent level maybe not quite as high as Jimmy Gorgeous, so we'll see what Eric Dungy's future holds. Jimmy Gorgeous, I've never heard that, but I, I like, like that. it. I kind of like, like it a lot. I, I like it too, especially when he's throwing interceptions against the Vikings. I kind of <laughs> like that. But uh, it's, it's a really interesting question, J.D., because you take a guy who everyone would have picked Francois over Dungy in 2015. That's obvious. But now in 2018, 
I was going to say that maybe Francois has the edge in terms of quote-unquote injury proneness, but he missed all of last year with a torn knee. I think that's more of a fluke than some of Dungy's nicks and bruises have been, but it's a really interesting debate. I'm not going to plant my flag on either side. I'm going to play the middle oh, man here. Playing I'm the glad, fence? I'm, I'm glad that you, that I you planted your flag. I expect more from you. You know what? I'll say Dungy. I'll say Dungy. Screw All right. I, I'm big on I'm big on Francois, but what Dungy has done and the way that the offense has sort of fallen apart without him over the last couple of seasons, I'll take Dungy. And last bit feedback, what game are you most excited for on this Syracuse basketball schedule? Pretty consensus take here. It is far and away that home night game versus Duke in February, and we both agree on that. I think it's pretty easy. When you take a look at what Syracuse and Duke have done over the past few years, even though Duke has sometimes been high, more highly ranked or they've got more talent on the team, quote-unquote, these games are almost always exciting, even in the NCAA tournament when Duke was maybe one of the favorites to win it all last year. Syracuse gives them a run for their money. So maybe another classic in the Dome. Who knows? Syracuse-Duke will be fun, but first and foremost, we've got to get through Syracuse and Florida State Coming up, a 12 noon kickoff in the Carrier Dome, and it should be a fun one. We'll have all your coverage at Orange Fizz on Twitter. For Drew Carter, I'm J.D. Rachi saying so long, Fizz Nation. Enjoy the game, and we might be talking to you with a 3-0 Orange team next week.